hey, how you guys doing? It's the producer from Brothers Comics. As Eric and Paris making dollars, bring us in. This is uh, Last Night in the Association, our NBA recap show on the line tonight. It's, uh, it's DJ Scratch, I think. Uh, or maybe he sometimes he goes by Will Stacks. Will Stacks, say what's happening. Well, Stacks in the house. What's up? What's up? What's up? EPMD taking us back to the year of 1988. And we'll talk about why a little later. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and also, one of the most underrated hip-hop groups of all time. But that's a discussion for later in the podcast. All right, man. We are set for the NBA Finals. We got a four-peat uh, in terms of the teams that are facing one another. But how they got there is really, really quite interesting. So we're going to go from the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference because the Western Conference just finished last night with its Game 7 between the Dubs and the Rockets. Uh, but let's talk about a couple of the games before we got to that point. Uh, Dubs choked away Game 4, and then the Rockets come back and win Game 5, looking like they are putting this this series right them and putting themselves right into the finals, and then the inevitable happens. Chris Paul gets injured. What were you thinking when he went down besides, I knew it? Uh, yeah, that was that was uh, the big thing in my mind. I knew it was coming sooner or later, which is absolutely terrible to say because he was playing some incredible ball, not only in Game Five throughout the series. Uh, you know, he really elevated his game and showed why it was important for Houston to bring him over. Uh, you know, from uh, the Clippers. You know, he was the leader they needed. He was the leader, and he was definitely carrying. Uh, the load, especially down the stretch of games, you know, game four, game five, uh, that they did sneak out. I do agree. Golden State kind of choked them away. They did lose, maybe more so than Houston won. But nonetheless, Houston was up 3-2 and in control. But late in game five, Chris Paul pulls a hammy, and the series changed just like that. Yeah, I saw somebody on the or listened to somebody on the radio today, and they were like, "Oh, those hamstring injuries are tough." But you know, I was like, "Well, Jalen Brown came back." I was like, "Well, Jalen Brown's 20. Um, <laughs> Chris Paul is 32, and uh, we we can relate to that. Uh, that um, hey, those hamstrings don't warm up quite as quickly as they used to. Um, <laughs> so when I saw yeah. him go down, I'm like, "Oh man, this is gonna be rough." So we get into yeah, Game you, Six. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, we don't know the severity of of the, the the pool. Was it, you know, the different grades of the pool? Was it a, a tear of the hamstring? We don't know that. Uh, I was a little surprised that he didn't give it a shot in Game 7, but uh, it must have been pretty bad for him not even to uh, step out on the court. But go back to Game 6 because uh, the Rockets were ready to close it out, it seems. Yeah, they were up big early. Uh uh, Warriors didn't even seem like they came out to play. I think they were up by 17 at one point um, in the game. And uh, I'm thinking, wow, this is going to be something. But I'm going to throw out this theory that I threw out there on Facebook, the Twitters, and to you. When he goes down, I'm thinking, they just go ahead and rest all their starters because it was going to be a chance that they weren't going to win game six anyway in Oakland with Chris Paul. So do you rest all your people and then go into game seven trying to get the dub? Am I crazy for even throwing that out there? Uh yeah, you you, you don't you don't wanna uh give up a game. If you got a chance to win, go ahead and, and win. You never know what's gonna happen, what's gonna happen with the other team. Uh if you they could have had an, an injury to one of their big guns, uh you never know. So if you got a chance to win, you go ahead and take it and they definitely had a chance to win up seventeen 
you know, even up 10 going into the half, 61-51 uh, in game six, and then only scored 26 points the rest of the game, uh, which is, you know, absolutely ridiculous, especially for a team with the firepower they had, even without Chris Paul, uh, to score 26 points is uh, just obviously not getting the job done. And an explosion by Clay Thompson in the second half, especially third quarter, uh, kind of shut things down um, for the Rockets and really put life back into the Warriors heading into game seven. There's a trend going with the Warriors at halftime, whether they're not interested the first half, whether they are um, just motivated when they come out at halftime, maybe they're more rested, maybe the adjustments from Coach Kerr, I don't know, but they're coming out in third quarters and just laying the absolute mollywop on team. Uh, remember the number 33 because that's what they put up in the third quarter in game six, and that number is going to come back again when we get to game seven in the third quarter. But, yeah, it just turns into a blowout. You know, I'm watching the game through halftime. I'm like, this is going to be tough. I go away for a little bit, and I come back, and they're down by, like, 13. I'm like, how in the world did that happen? I mean, just absolutely insanity, especially from Clay Thompson. Yeah, I think, um, you know, you got to you gotta use your timeouts. I believe I heard earlier today. You got to stop any type of rally. You know, you, you we've grown to expect uh, Golden State in the third quarter, you know, to come out, you know, firing on all cylinders. And if you see that coming, you see that starting to build, you got to do whatever you can to shut it down, whether it's a timeout, if there's a change of play of your game to, to really slow things down. Uh, you got to do whatever you can to uh, turn off their momentum button. Uh, but they once they get it rolling, that is tough to do, and they definitely got it rolling in game six and again in game seven uh, coming out of the break. And once it's going, it's just an avalanche that you're not going to stop Rockets just didn't have enough. You know, James Harden uh, just didn't have it. And uh, we'll talk about the three-point shooting in game seven. <laughs> that was absolutely ridiculous. But um, the Rockets had a chance. You know, without yeah. Chris Paul, they had a chance. And I posted something that I thought was extremely appropriate. And uh, the great, uh, the late, great Denny Green, you know, would have said, if you want to crown their ass, you go right ahead. <laughs> But they are what we thought they were, and we let them off the hook, and that's exactly uh, what the Rockets did, and uh, they did it again in Game 7. Yeah, we have, you know, Harden gets no help in Game 6, and so that series, they worked all year. They got, to, I think, 62 wins to get that home court advantage, and so you get Game 7 in Houston, and, then, you know, the talk all the day was, you know, is, you know, is, he got to play. Yeah, CP3 got to play. You put out there is like, you know, expecting a, a Willis Reed type performance, you know, to maybe come out to try to give them at least that emotional pull for them to, you know, draw upon that energy on. Plus, with this, you know, the game seven hot crowd or whatever, uh, he does not play. Uh, I heard Brian Winhurst say today that even if, um, even if they had won, he probably wouldn't even play for game one. So obviously, it's a little bit more of a, um, uh, a more severe injury than, you know, whatever he let on, even though he sat down on the bench during the whole game. Um, what were you expecting game seven before it started? Well, I was expecting, um, you know, the Rockets to, you know, I was I was surprised by the way they came out in game six, so I expected it again in game seven, and that's exactly what we got. You know, they came out, 
with some good fire and uh, good intensity on both ends of the court. Again, went into the half with an 11-point lead in this case. And, um, you know, things just started to unravel uh, after the break. Uh, the Rockets, again, they had a, an opportunity. They could even, in my opinion, put the game away uh, or at least really extended the lead in the second quarter. They had opportunities, in my opinion, to do just that. And uh, they let those get by to keep the lead around and around, you know, at 11. And if they let the Warriors hang around, the Warriors did what the Warriors do. And that's uh, an explosion in the third quarter. And there was uh, no looking back uh, by Golden State after that. Houston, um, Clay Thompson goes out with two early fouls or gets picks up two early ones and then picks up the third one. Like I think by now the three-minute mark in the first quarter, so he has to go out. And even when he does come back in, you know, over the course of the game, you're like, go at him, go at him, go at him. And he just wound up playing with three fouls, you know, for the longest time without picking up that extra foul to get him out the game. Um, I, <laughs> there's a whole bunch of talking. We're going to get to the three-point shooting here in a minute. But, again, at the half, down by 11, another third-quarter blitz. I told you to remember the. <laughs> number 33, again, 33 points up in the third quarter, turns a deficit into a lead, and they really didn't even look back from there. Yeah, once uh, once the lead turned, it was, uh, you know, even panic mode, I like to say, uh, that yeah. I heard say, um, you know, for the Rockets, um, they once they fell behind, they, they really start chucking, you know, threes. They were like, oh, no, what are we going to do? And it was three-pointer after three-pointer after three-pointer, not till it was too late that they decided, oh, let's go to the buckets. You know, all year long, uh, the Rockets uh, have been playing uh, threes, layups, or free throws. Threes, layups, or free throws. That's all they want. They don't want a long two. They don't want a men range. They want threes, layups, or free throws. So if you start missing those threes, you need to start going to the rack, you know, and that's uh, something they did in the last two minutes. But but by that point, it was uh, it was too late. So um, I think that's that's a place where they definitely missed Chris Paul, uh, especially with the foul trouble of Clay Thompson. You got to attack him with those three uh, fouls. Attack him to get a fourth, give a pump fake or some, get him up in the air to get the fourth. Uh, you know, and that changes the momentum uh, just that right there, you know. Um, but, you know, the Rockets didn't make that type of adjustment. They continued to shoot threes. And, you know, they did set a record or help set a record by for the most threes <laughs> in a playoff game. But they uh, set a record for futility uh, by missing, uh, you know, they were, I believe, 7 for 44 yeah. for the three-pointers for the game, I believe, was the final number. Uh, and that's just, uh, that's mind-blowing. That's seven, for, you shoot 44 threes, A is mind-blowing, and you only hit seven. That is absolutely ridiculous. Trevor Ariza uh, dialed back uh, some John Starks, you know, in Houston, <laughs> uh, where he just could not hit anything. He was 0 for 13 for the game. And that's... Um, Unacceptable for a game seven. Yeah, the total was 27 consecutive missed threes. Um, I had told you all before the magic number was 15. If they get 15, they win over 70% of their games. They get seven in this game. 
Um, and then everybody was throwing up bricks. And I, I think you're right, too. Like, it, the pressure started to get to them because they felt that run that was coming. It's like, we got to do something. Somebody's got to hit this bucket. Harden dribbling his life out. You know, I, I, the copy stat was he had 600 dribbles in the game, and the next closest person, I think, which was Eric Gordon, had 140-something dribbles. That's amazing that he had 600 dribbles in that game, and he just wore out. He's not exactly um, – He's not exactly bodied by Jake to begin with. Uh, and I think, you know, just the stress and the pressure of that series and the extra burden just kind of, you know, wore him out at the end. Yeah, too, even, you know, that that's that you just threw out 600 dribbles. Think back, uh, I believe it was a couple of years ago, Clay Thompson, you know, had the 61-point game where he had 26 dribbles or, yeah. or even that might even might even been lower than that where he had – 60-some points with a very low number uh, of dribbles, but you talk about James Harden having dribbled the ball 600 times in a ball game. That is, you know, absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, he's going to, I believe, get a pass, you know, because Chris Paul wasn't there to take some of the load. But, again, you could say James Harden kind of disappeared down the stretch of the games. Even the games the Rockets won, it was, Eric Gordon, CP3, wasn't James Harden. And definitely without, um, you know, CP3, James Harden has to elevate his game. He did not. The stats would say, oh, he had 32 in game seven, but he took 33 shots. 10 24. So, yeah. yeah, so it's, uh, you know, not a, you know, a true stat, if you will. Uh, James, Harden, James Harden didn't really raise uh, to the MVP level uh, people were expecting to do. Yeah, and he's going to get a pass for that because CP3 wasn't there. We're going to talk about both of them here in a second. Um, but, yeah, just no role players step up in their absence. It's just, um, just nothing. I mean, they literally get nothing from anybody else over the course of that game. And you're right, Trevor Ariza had a um, a brick game for the ages. Uh, he'll definitely uh, remember that. Um, he's going to be brought up in all kinds of conversations as that series moves forward. So, all right, so what does happen to Houston then? Uh, CP3 is 32 years old, James Harden. Uh, and we, we talked about that. I'm going to give you props on two things. One, Houston long ago said, you know, live by three, die by the three. And that's exactly what happened to um, Houston in game seven. And then before the game started last night, your text to me was, yeah, I don't trust the Rockets. Um, and it all bared out there so where are the rockets going here cb3 is 32 but he's also a free agent as well um yeah i know him and lebron and you know the banana boat crew would love to play together but where that where where that can happen and who can afford them or whatever it becomes an issue you know and then we have to have that conversation is Harden that dude you know if you listen to this pre previous podcast we talked about you know players are that dude that dude that's really good but you can't win with him we already wow. assume that CP3 is that dude. Is James Harden that dude too? I I think yes, yes, and yes. They both are <laughs> those, or that they are that dude. You know, and those two together, um, you know, those dudes. Just, uh, they, they didn't get it done. You know, <laughs> they didn't get it done. You, you, you would like to say, uh, what if? You know, and yeah, we could all speculate. What if Chris Paul would have played? What if? You know, again, I, I was I was really giving CP3 the props. You know, I was I was cheering for him. He was, hey, you know, 
I loved when he gave Steph Curry the shimmy after he hit the three. That was I loved that. But and when it comes down to it, they didn't get it done. Free agent Chris Paul, he's due for the max contract. You know, when he came over from the Clippers, he left the opportunity to get that max deal to then get it in Houston. So I know he's expecting he, you know, he's expecting the max deal. Uh, you know, which the Rockets, I'm sure, will be willing to put up. But on the same note, do you want to give somebody, uh, like you said, he's about to turn 33, uh, a five-year guaranteed contract worth $200 million? Because uh, we know definitely at the end of that contract, he won't be playing the same level of ball he's playing now. So right. is that a, an investment you really want to make? Personally, I would say no. However, yeah. I think, uh, you know, I, I expect, here, here's my bold prediction for Chris Paul, He's going to sign with the Rockets, but be traded to Cleveland. LeBron will stay in Cleveland, and somebody else will come as well. But that's my bold prediction, but we'll talk about more of those later on as the series goes. But uh, the Rockets, I think there will be some changes, but the franchise is built around James Harden, and, you know, so he's the center point, and then some pieces will be added to him. You know, Capella, he's elevated his game, so you know he's going to be around. Eric Gordon continues to play an important role. He'll be there. But then you finally get a chance to get rid of the huge Ryan Anderson contract off the bench. Uh, Joe Johnson was there for decoration, did make a spot uh, uh, appearance there last night in Game 7, but you can get rid of his contract. So I think they're going to have some flexibility and uh, Chris Paul is going to want that flexibility in his contract, but I don't think the the Rockets will want to keep him uh, for five years because they know the back end of those five years he won't be at the same level uh, that he is now. So, um, yeah, some some tossing and turning uh, will happen with this Rocket uh, Rocket uh, roster, but uh, we know the centerpiece of James Harden. So uh, he'll start to uh, dictate a bit, I believe, you know, a la LeBron, not quite to that level. But a few changes coming up in Houston. I'd be curious to see what happens in terms of, you know, everything revolves around LeBron and what's going to happen there, whether he stays in Cleveland or if he goes. Uh, We'll get to the Eastern Conference here in a second. But, you know, where you start to get into when you have those max numbers of players on those huge contracts of 30 plus million dollars you know they eat up essentially your entire salary cap and then you get into that luxury tax and how, you know how many years do you want to pay that dollar for dollar tax um you know it's broken up you know it broke up the heat dynasty so to speak uh and it breaks up other dynasties as well in basketball because they just you know you get that three to four year window uh, where people aren't making that much money and you know it's going to break up the rockets here or, or the warriors here soon enough too you know, because they just can't keep paying that luxury tax. So um, I'd be curious to see what happens with, in Houston. Uh, I I personally don't think LeBron's going there, uh, but we'll talk about that's, that here when we get to the East. Yeah, that, that's not even an option, I don't believe. But it has been thrown out there, but I don't see that as a true viable option. But yeah, let's get on to the East. Yeah, let's head it out to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, speaking of LeBron James, uh, we talked about it after Game 5 that we knew we were going to get video game LeBron when we got into Game 6, and that's exactly what we got. 46 points, 46 minutes. Uh, he gets a lot of help, you know, from George Hill, Larry Nance, and 
there's a J.R. Smith sighting, you know, that helped him out and then win that game. And actually, game six wound up being one of the better games of the series. Uh, Celtics didn't play that bad. Celtics played well. Terry Rozier, uh, Jason Tatum really played great in game six. Uh, it was a, an excellent game. Kept the game tight for the majority uh, but if the game is tight down the stretch, you know, LeBron has showed in these playoffs, hey, if it's close, I'm going to help us get over the top. I'm going to carry us over the top. And uh, that's exactly what it did, especially with those two daggered step-back threes over Tatum. Uh, those really just sealed the deal, um, you know, for the Cavs in game six, you know, to push them over to the decisive game seven, you know, heading back to Boston. But LeBron... Uh, that was one of the best performances, in my opinion. If we want to talk about, you know, some of the great LeBron moments, I think that game six has to be way up there uh, in the in the archives of great games by LeBron. There's a lot of them, but uh, that's definitely one of them. Yeah, and the funny thing is, jump ahead or whatever, just to talk about this for game seven, you know, so many people are like, oh, you know, he was so great in game seven. I'm like yeah, but that has nothing compared to how he was in game six. I mean, it was, like, not even close. That wasn't even one of his top ten performances. He was just, you know, he literally was playing by himself as he had, you know, almost no help from anybody else. But, uh, yeah, game six was just incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, he was just incredible in game six. And so we head out to Boston for game seven. How were you feeling going into game seven? Because I was under the impression that, there's no way that uh, the Celtics are going to lose this after being 10-0 and at home. They're not going to lose that game now. Well, I think uh, everybody had that thought, and uh, I believe the Celtics, they believed it as well, and especially their play early showed uh, they believed that they were ready. Jason Tatum, uh, again, was just, you know, out of this world playing uh, definitely not rookie ball um, at this stage of the season. Um, and I think Boston probably let the game slip away when they were up 12, 13 in the second quarter. Again, they could have put the game away if they could have stretched that lead heading into halftime, but instead the lead was cut to four. And, you know, again, that gave Cleveland some life. Again, once the game is close, um, you know, put it in the hands of the king and he'll do the rest. Um, but, hey, Boston came out strong. I was um, – you know, a little surprised the way things uh, definitely unfolded, uh, especially down the stretch. But, uh, hey, when it's in the king's hands, he'll take care of it, and that's what he did. Celtics picked the worst night to have their worst shooting performance of the series. Rozier goes 2-14. Jalen Brown goes 5-18. of 18. Uh, what, Marcus Morris got 14 on 5-14 shooting, though. I mean, just a poor game. Now, before you get to Game 7, though, we get the also the inevitable injury to Kevin Love in Game 6. Uh, takes uh, the elbow or bumps the heads, uh, goes into concussion protocol, misses Game 7, or was announced that he was going to miss Game 7. That was, again, an inevitable injury. He, um, so he misses that game. So you knew going in LeBron was going to have to have a, a big game, and he, got, and he did. I mean, but it wasn't as, as magical as Game 6 for sure. And on top of that, you know, he didn't really get any help from his support cat. Well, I think Jeff Green, uh, he, you know, he started in place of Kevin Love in game seven, and he definitely played some big minutes. You know, when he, you know, drops in 19, that's, you know, a huge boost, one you probably wouldn't anticipate. 
but he uh, was a, a a good defender, uh, and he definitely uh, scored when necessary. He hit a couple of huge jump shots off of penetration uh, by LeBron, and, you know, he gave him a lift they definitely needed in the place of Kevin Love. You know, many in social media said keep him in the starting lineup. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll see what happens going further. But uh, Jeff Green uh, chipped in what he could and then said, hey, LeBron, here's uh, the fourth quarter. Go ahead and take over. And that's exactly what he did. Yeah, just, yeah, I, it's, and moving forward, like we're not sure what status is for Kevin Love going ahead. So we're back. We're back to a four-peat, you know, really, you know, and that's basically where we are. But before I'm sorry, I forgot we get to that. What do you think about what's going on with the with the Celtics then as they move forward? You know, they have two extremely young, very good pieces. Uh, LeBron, you know, effusive in his praise of one of those pieces. And, you know, you got two essentially all-stars coming back. You know, do they stand pat? Do they make that? You know, there's all that talk out there about them maybe being in the Kawhi Leonard sweepstakes if he's out on the market. You know, or do you just, you know, ride with the dogs that got you there? Well, I think the dogs that got him there will be there, you know, and those dogs, speaking of, of Brown, speaking of Tatum, uh, speaking of Horford, uh, Rozier will likely be there, although he's definitely elevated his stock. You know, but if anything, you know, the game seven was the first game maybe that the quote-unquote youth uh, was shown, especially down the stretch, with the exception of Tatum. You know, youth might have, uh, you know, come into play where they didn't have that guy. You know, that's where a a Kyrie uh, would have been huge because he would have been, you know, that end-of-the-shot-clock guy. But, you know, moving forward, the East is going to be, you know – loaded you know you talk about the west being loaded uh philly and boston you know youth all over the place but let's speak about boston Kyrie coming back you imagine he'll be back to full strength gordon hayward you know we'll see what he could do with boston but you expect you know he's that shooter uh that they may have been lacking uh this year you know pair them with brown and tatum and horford if rogier stays uh, you know, if anybody they're going to lose is probably going to be Marcus Smart. Um, sure. You know, he's definitely a glue guy, and they, they need him, but, you know, I'm sure uh, he's definitely uh, somebody that uh, is going to test the free agent market, and uh, we'll see what's uh, going to happen with him. But uh, I think the majority of the pieces will be back. You won't see a roster overhaul like you did uh, from last year to this year by Boston because they know they really got something. And with the two major injuries coming back, uh, I expect huge things out of Boston, um, you know, next year. Plus, they still got, uh, you know, a dangling uh, trade bait, if you will, uh, a draft pick that uh, they still got hanging out there if they want to use it uh, or even use it to get more more youth. But um, I think it's possible trade bait. Uh, coming. So the Celtics are going to be a team to watch probably the next 10 years in the East. I expect big things in Boston. Yeah, and I think that will have a major effect on what LeBron does, you know, no matter what happens out of this finals, you know, if he's if he's chasing six, which is I think most people think that he is, he's chasing six or chasing seven, that, you know, he's going to have to be wise about how he's going to be able to get himself to the final, you know, year after year. So 
All right, let's get it to this next final here. We got the four peak, like we said, Cavs and Warriors, as my son is watching highlights of looks like last year's finals on um on the YouTube right now. Um I don't know. Two uh, two part question. One, we predicted that this was probably gonna happen, although you did have the Celtics there prior to the Kyrie injury. But is this bad for the NBA that, you know, you get the same two teams four years in a row? Well, I think, you know, the true, truest of fan will say, yes, it is bad uh, for the true NBA fan. They want to see some new blood. They want to see some some different bodies battle for the championship, uh, you know, but definitely uh, for the, you know, the not true fan, for the side fan, if you will, for the bandwagon jumpers, if you will, uh, you know, people want to see uh, this again. You know, they want to see uh, can LeBron even it up at two apiece, you know, or will the Warriors dominate, you know, as predicted by the Las Vegas bookies so far. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, ABC, I'm sure, is saying, hey, we're going to get some eyeballs on the TVs with these two teams playing again, so they're happy. So, uh, I think there's a lot of people that are glad to see it, but then there's a few people that are like, eh, I've seen it before. I don't think much difference going to happen from a year ago. So, um, you know, I'll be watching. I'm excited to see, you know, and, hey, without and, uh, Andre Iguodala, uh, this could be a, a different series, you know, than a year ago. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, uh I was telling somebody today, I was like, we're really like uh, that technical foul against Draymond from looking at the Warriors trying to win four in a row. Uh, you know, I'm going to really. disagree with that. Let me, I'm going to disagree with that from this standpoint. The first year they played, Kyrie got hurt in game one. If Kyrie doesn't get hurt in that series, Cleveland's the better team then after that. You know, so I think... I, I'm going to have to disagree with that one. Cleveland would have won, in my opinion, would have won that series if Kyrie plays uh, that entire series. Um, then maybe after that, you could say, um, they might be going for the three-peat as opposed to the four-peat. But, well, uh, I mean, we also get that, too, if they don't lose that series, KD probably doesn't wind up in, you know, in Oklahoma. Or in, in, yeah, there's, in, in Oklahoma. There's, there's no question that uh, he may – May not, you know, if OKC could have closed that series out, you know, maybe Westbrook and Durant are still together at this point. You never know what happens, but things have played out. You know, we know Cleveland won uh, in dramatic fashion, coming back down 3-1. Yes, the Draymond Green uh, technical does play a role. Um, Andrew Bogut got hurt. That played a role. Uh, So a lot of things that came into play, but uh, regardless of the fact, you know, Cleveland uh, can't even up the series, if you would, at two apiece if they upset. Remember, Cleveland's going in as a number four seed out of the east. Yeah. You know, Golden State coming in as the number two out of the west. But, you know, most people still believe that the best team uh, came out of the west. Maybe not the best team coming out of the east. So uh, we'll yeah. see what happens. I was thinking about, so, okay, so it gets to this thing. I was listening to coming in uh, after work today, and somebody was like, yeah, I got Cleveland at five. And I was just like, I want whatever that person is smoking uh, because barring an injury, I, I can't 
I can't even think of a conceivable way where Cleveland wins that in five. So uh, if they get, you know, Oakland gets home court advantage, if there is a game of the first two that Cleveland could possibly win, is it game one or game two? Got to steal the first one. Got to steal the first one. Um, you know, you want to try to catch them while they're quote-unquote off guard. And if you steal the game, uh, the first game, you know, um, that could change the whole momentum swing, get everybody thinking and wondering. And uh, you never know. You know, the Cavs, they just want to split in in uh, Golden State out with the first two. But if they can take the first one, I think they really – uh, could change the momentum, you know. I, I don't see them winning in five. If they are going to win, it's going to be six or seven, in my opinion. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, Cleveland definitely needs to to split in the first two uh, to make it a series. Yeah, I, I said the same thing. That's that they have to win game one because they certainly are not going to win game two. Um, but you also have to wonder, you know, maybe Oakland's a little bit, you know, I love calling them Oakland. <laughs> Oakland comes out a little um, – you know, you know they're a little bit tired. You know, they took a seven-game series, a much, you know, rougher series there. Maybe they come out a little bit flat in game one, um, and that might be the point game for them to slip through. I'm going to use another term. I'm maybe they come out a little too confident, a little too no, cocky sure. even, mm-hmm. that they, oh, we can roll through the Cavs and, um, you know, and then the Cavs uh, steal one, you know. Right. So, I think that's uh, uh, another uh, adjective you could use. So if they come out, you know, feeling that uh, good about themselves, watch out. That might could uh, jump up and bite you. Uh, but this is classic best team versus best player. And uh, who's going to take it? Is it going to be the best team or will the best player uh, be able to carry his team uh, to a series win? Um, you know, this is going to take a Herculean effort. Uh, by LeBron, and yeah. but we know he's capable of doing that. Yeah, uh, injury issues. Kevin Love is in protocol. Um, people still not altogether sure if he's going to play game one. Andre Godal is still also out, um, and I think somewhere listed as close to doubtful for game one with the knee contusion. Um, so that let you know that sets up the whole thing. You know he. He was essentially the finals MVP in the first time that they played for his defense on LeBron. Um, so they might not have that piece to throw at LeBron. You got to wonder, you know, how, who rolls out there first with him, you know, to defend him at the start of the game. You know, do you put Draymond on him the first? You got to wonder if they're going to start the Kardashian curse over there, you know, because they're going to have to muck the game up and try to slow it down from Golden State getting out and running. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see who gets out on LeBron first. I think Clay Thompson will probably draw first honors to start, but definitely Draymond Green, even Kevin Durant, uh, will all get a turn, you know, to guard LeBron, and that would be one thing. They're going to throw multiple bodies uh, at LeBron, and um, you know he's going to be ready for the test. I'm sure. Uh, watch out uh, for uh, Jeff Green. Continue to ex- exert himself. Um, with the absence of Kevin Love, if he does uh, indeed miss game one, uh, if Jeff Green, he again gives the athletic length uh, that you need to play against the Golden State team, can he be enough? Can he uh, contribute? Because remember, if we go back, we saw a lot of Iman Shumpert even, you know, a year ago. We saw a lot of, you know, J.R. Smith. 
you know, Tristan Thompson will uh, get the starting nod, but expect to see a lot of Larry Nance Jr. because he has, again, that athletic length uh, that will be needed uh, against uh, Golden State. So a lot of um, mixing and matching uh, Ty Lue has to use, uh, you know, to get a lineup or get lineups ready to uh, battle in this series. But uh, we know LeBron is going to give you 40-plus minutes in each of these games. Uh just depends on how many games they're going to be. Yeah, so what's your prediction then going ahead, you know, with the injury histories of the people that we already have? What's your prediction? Well, I'm going to give my prediction with my head and not my heart. My heart will tell me LeBron and the Cavs will win in six. However, what? My heart, my heart says that. My head, though, will say it's going to be the other way around. Golden State uh, Warriors will win in six six games. Golden State uh, cuts down the nets, if you will. They uh, repeat as NBA champions um, for this coming season. So for this season, so I think. Um, the the injuries, you know, how they play out with Iguodala with love, you know, probably the Iguodala injury uh, will be a bigger one to keep an eye on, uh, more so than love. I think both will make an appearance in the series. Um, we'll see which one has the uh, biggest factor in the series. But, yes, my heart says Cleveland, but my head tells me it's going to be the Warriors with the repeat. It's amazing that Cleveland's second best player is going to be out, and it's just like, meh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, uh, again, social media says, eh, who needs him? But um, you will need uh, Kevin Love for spot minutes. You know, his thing is, can he defend on the perimeter? You know, that's the, the biggest thing with Kevin Love. Uh, can he defend on the perimeter? The series that Cleveland won he did play a big role, especially down the stretch in that game seven, playing some incredible defense. Uh, but can he do that in large volume? I don't think so, in my opinion. Uh, but he will still be needed, especially for a spot role shooting uh, and some rebounding. Um, but can he defend? That's where he's going to struggle. And that's that's what Golden State does. They put you in, in a bind. Uh, can you match up with us? We're going to score. Uh, can you score with us? And then what can you do to try to stop us from scoring? And that's okay. a problem they always uh, will give. All right. All right, so we continue our walk through the NBA as we uh, get ready for the finals. We're still doing our best player ever. Uh, alphabetically coming through, the next two teams are up our Oklahoma City and the Orlando Magic. And Before we started recording, we said, there might be some debate here on the Magic one, but the Oklahoma City one, too. Remember, that is the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, a Seahawks. That's the second time I did that. The Seattle Supersonics. Um, that's their team that's in Oklahoma City. So um, they have a rich history of basketball players for, you know, for Seattle. So who's the greatest, you know, Sonic slash Oklahoma City player? Well, we'll start with, let's just right now, for right now, we'll say, We'll go back through the archives. We'll say through the franchise history. So that includes Seattle leading into Oklahoma City. So the best player, we can throw out names like downtown Freddie Brown, Jack Sigma, of course, the Rain Man, Sean Kemp. 
but the best player in franchise history overall has to be the glove, Gary Payton. Yes, sir. He is uh, the leader in games played, points, assists, steals, you know, Hall of Famer now, gold medal winner, multiple-time All-NBA, multiple-time All-Star, uh, Gary Payton, the glove. Uh, NBA you know, champion he, as well with the NBA Miami Heat. With the Miami Heat. Uh, he did go down and get one, but. Uh, we know he definitely left his legacy in Seattle where he was uh, supersonic basketball, leading him to the finals, couldn't get past Michael Jordan, but uh, he definitely uh, got him to that point. But if we look more current and look at the Oklahoma City uh, Thunder history, you only got two names. You got uh, Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, and we'll go with uh, Russell Westbrook as the uh, best player in Oklahoma City Thunder history. Uh, just that, you know, we know that history also includes the Seattle Supersonics. So, uh, but Russell Westbrook definitely gets the nod over KD, if for nothing else, the way KD left. But uh, <laughs> if for nothing else, but, you know, he is right behind Gary Payton in, in points uh, and in steals and not that far in assists as well. So, you know, you expect over at least next year or at least the next couple of years that he will eclipse Gary Payton probably in all of those uh, statistics to be number one in franchise history. Uh, So when it's all said and done, look to see uh, Russell Westbrook's name right there. But in Seattle, uh, GP, the glove, was the man. All right, we're good on that one then. The one that you're talking about here we're going to have this discussion about is the Orlando Magic. Uh, they come into the league, what was that, 1988? I think they came in with the Hornets um, and the Heat, or maybe just I don't remember which one it was now. But they come into the league. They got extremely lucky on two drafts uh, where they got the number one pick back-to-back where they drafted Chris Webber and then wound up trading after they got Shaq the previous year, or Shaq first and then Chris Webber. So, all right. Shaq is – you're going to tell me that Shaq is not the number one Magic player of all time? I'm going to tell you Shaq is not the number <laughs> one player. And I'm going to say just because he wasn't there long enough. Had he stayed there longer, there's no question. I mean, he's a dominant player. But let's throw out a few names again. Uh, let's go back to the earlier years. You had names like Scotty Skiles even. Uh, but then you got <laughs> – you know, names, other names like Jameer Nelson, who make, uh, you know, the the list. Uh, Dennis Scott, 3D, uh, make the list maybe. But uh, four names, you know, are probably the names that uh, you got. So Shaquille O'Neal, you mentioned for sure. Uh, Anthony Penny Hardaway, for sure. Tracy McGrady would be on that list. And even, hey, don't forget, uh, the other quote-unquote Superman, Dwight Howard. Uh, yeah. So those four names, to me, make it much more difficult. You know, and I'm going to eliminate Shaq just because he didn't do it long enough in Orlando. His best years, if you will, uh, were in L.A. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we know he did, uh, you know, take Orlando, he and Penny, uh, to the finals. Uh, where they uh, probably would have beat Houston had it not been for a free throw missed by Nick Anderson, which he still has some problems with, uh, you know, 20-plus years later. But 
you know, I can't say Shaq, you know, and I would love to say Penny because he would be my favorite probably out of this group. But, you know, we know six years and then some injuries in those end of those six years uh, with the Magic, uh, you know, his play. I think Shaq and Penny is still better than Shaq and Kobe. I will always say that uh, when they were at the, the height of their powers. But um, I I can't say Penny because he just, again, injuries started to chop him up and he didn't do it as long as he could have. But then you have Tracy McGrady, uh, who's third all time in magic and scoring. Um, you know, he definitely, you know, probably would have, you know, he was supposed to be the tandem with Grant Hill, but Grant Hill had his injury problems and they had to reinvent uh, their lineup. Then you had Dwight Howard who leads the magic franchise in points, rebounds and blocks. You know, I just can't give it to Dwight Howard just because he was not really that great. He was a great athlete at seven feet, uh, caught a lot of lobs, blocked a lot of shots, um, but I just can't give it. I'm going to give the best player in Magic history to Tracy McGrady. Tracy McGrady changed the franchise. (laughs) You know, he changed the franchise when he brought it back. They thought it was going to be with Grand Hill, but even without Grand Hill, he carried the magic. So I'm going to say the number one player in Orlando franchise is Trace McGrady. He's third once again in scoring. He even went on to Houston. You could even say he's one of the top players in the Houston franchise um, and definitely in Raptor franchise. So <laughs> well, yeah. Trace McGrady was a, a great player. And I'm going to put him number one, although I would love to say Penny Hardaway. People are going to hate me for that. Yeah, uh, I cannot I cannot give it to Tracy McGrady for his inability to get a team out of his first playoffs, man. I just can't do it. I just cannot do it. He is a great, and he was a great scorer, uh, and he was even a good scorer after he had his injury as well. Like, he still was able to get buckets, but his inability to do anything uh, in the playoffs, I just can't give it to him. I'm still going with Shaq. I know he was only there for I was it four seasons or five seasons. Uh, he takes them to the finals. They probably could have, should have beat Houston uh, if Nick Anderson doesn't hit miss those two free throws. Uh, if he doesn't miss those two free throws, um, yeah, I can't though. Mm-mm, no, and I even and I would almost probably take. I would take Dwight Howard over Tracy McGrady. And, I again, I'm not a big fan of Dwight Howard in the least. But, I mean, he does take him to a finals as well with that Jameer Nelson team. Yeah, he does get that, him there. That's the, name, that's the name I was going to go with, Dwight Howard, because he does, like I said, lead the franchise in three categories. You know, when we talk about points, rebounds, and blocks, and like you said, did take him to a final. Um, you know, he was uh, a a – a good player. He was a great he but he he was an overrated player. Maybe that's my own personal bias that got in my way uh when selecting uh Trace McGrady over Dwight Howard. But I, I just cannot give it to Shaq, although he was the man. I just can't do it. Uh for the Orlando franchise. Can't do it. No, I get and again I get it one way yeah. Six and one hand, half a dozen the other. I get it, but uh, I definitely can't give it to Tracy McGrady. Great <laughs> on the jump. <laughs> He's great on yeah, the jump. But, but like I said earlier, 
not the most, not the easiest, not as easy as we thought initially when we first yeah, mentioned you. Orlando. Uh, you immediately everybody thought Shaq, Shaq or Penny, Shaq or Penny, Shaq or Penny, but. Many forgot about Dwight Howard, Trace McGrady. So, yeah. you know, again, lots of arguments I'm sure I will cause. I'm sure I will get lots of calls <laughs> text, which I hope you do. Uh, yeah, that's right. your info to tell me you disagree uh, with my pick. But, um, hey, there's some good players in Orlando's history. Um, they yeah. just never got over never got over the top. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, I mean, think about that. But, again, that they – win the lottery two years in a row. I mean, it's just like, what? This is amazing. Uh, and, you know, got to wonder how that – that would have worked if they had kept, you know, uh, C-Web yeah, instead of trading, you know, could have – Yeah, or even been think about, you know, who the second pick was in the 93 – you had in the 93 draft. You had Chris Weber first. The second pick went to Philadelphia. They chose Sean Bradley over Penny Hardaway. And Penny Hardaway was the next pick, the third pick. I mean, can you believe that Sean Bradley before Penny Hardaway? But there's a history of who went before who. But uh, yeah. I had to look that one up because I was like, what? Yeah, and it's, I mean, and again, a different league at the time where you know you had to thought you had to win games out, you know, inside out. Um, right. So you know, you take you can't teach height. Uh, so it's not a surprise that they took somebody that you know. And he, I mean, he was terrible, but he also didn't have, like, the worst NBA career that people think of, too. He was a serviceable big man in the league. I mean, that's basically it, before injuries sucked him up, too. So, all right. All right, uh, so that starts to wrap us up. We get to our exit music again. It's Eric and Parrish making dollars. Uh, why did you pick EPMD? Well, I wanted to try to get something that uh, said something about the two teams headed to the finals, Golden State and Cleveland, are about that business. They are strictly business. Four years in a row getting to the finals, but staying on the EPMD theme, is this unfinished business, their second album, where Cleveland says, hey, we want to even it up at two apiece, playing in the fourth series in a row, and even one song off the unfinished business, uh, I'll say cassette tape and so CD, if you will. Uh, one of the songs was The Big Payback. Is this the big payback for Cleveland? But it's strictly business from 1988, uh, the summer after I graduated from high school, 1988, uh, strictly business that is going to play us out today. Yeah. Uh and there's going to be this conversation, no matter what happens at the end of this series, um, about LeBron's legacy. I mean, it's already happening, and the damn series hasn't even been played yet. You know, if they lose, then he's going to be, I guess it's nine finals in a row, or eight. He's going to be, what, I guess, three and five if they lose, um, or four and four if they win. You know, it's, you know, there was even talk of, like, you know, if he was going to lose, you know, having rather lose before they get to the finals. Uh, I don't believe that. I mean, you got to get to the finals to get a chance to win the finals. You never know what happens. It'll be like, you know, like the second series, but, you know, the first time that the Pistons beat the Lakers, you know, you get to the finals and, you know, everybody gets hurt. Worthy gets hurt. Magic gets hurt. <laughs> you know, shit happens, you know what I mean? So, you know, you got to get there to win. So I'm just, I'm just curious as to how this is going to go. There's, you know, the the love, the love and hate for LeBron is an amazing thing to watch on, like, Twitter and stuff. It's amazing. I don't know how people um, cannot just, just be a quote-unquote witness, as as you know the saying goes, be a witness uh, 
that you are indeed seeing greatness. Um, he may not be your favorite player. You know, Michael Jordan was not my favorite player when he played, but you had to say, man, I am witnessing something that I will never see again. And people should say that right now about LeBron. He might not be your favorite player, but you are witnessing something that is that you won't see again. He is an outstanding basketball player, so at least give him the props on that and stop some of the narratives that I see on social media. Yeah, it's just it's amazing. Like it's like people are really like can't get over the fact that for whatever reason, like we talked about in the last podcast, on the, can't be the decision. You can't be over this by now. It was damn eight years ago. I mean, let it go. So, all right. All right, so Eric and Paris play us out. Remember, you better find this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, rate, review, subscribe. Um, yeah, that's a part of the Brothers Comics Podcasting Network. Uh, find the show, find your life. Just search at Brothers Comics. Be able to find all of our different podcasts. Um, that's about it. All right, man, where can people find you? People can find me at Will Stacks on Instagram. That's at Will Stacks on IG. You can find me at Mr. Water 77 Tell me your thoughts about the series. Tell me your thoughts about that Orlando Magic best player in franchise history. Let me know what you think. Again, at Mr. Waters 77 or at Will Stacks on Instagram. Let me know your thoughts. Yeah, we're going to... Um... Yeah, we're going to be recording here as this series goes through. First game one is on Thursday night. Um, and then I'm sure game two won't be till Sunday night uh, for that just absolutely goofy NBA schedule. But, uh, yeah, we'll get these in. Uh, I think we'll know a lot after the first two games. <laughs> I really do. Uh, I don't – I don't – uh, yeah, my prediction is uh, Warriors and five. That's not heart or anything like that. That's just we're gonna get a repeat of last year. Uh, you know, if the Cavs will be lucky to get one game, uh, that's kind of what I'm seeing. Uh, they'll get game three or game four in Cleveland, and it'll be a wrap back here in Oakland. So, all right, all right, man. So they starting to play us out. Uh, remember, you can find me, the producer, at Brothers Comics on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, at Brothers Comics, B-R-O-T-H-A-S-C-O-M-I-C-S, uh, on all of those platforms. Yeah, let us know. Rate, review, subscribe for the show. We really appreciate all the listening. All right, man. All right, so they're playing us out. I know this is one of your favorite groups from way back, sir. One of my favorites of all time, but like Kyrie Irving was for Game 7 for the Boston Celtics, that is out. See you later, peace. All right, we'll see y'all on the inside. Peace. Good to go. After the show, I put your whole boy. You sniff blow. Hell no, I had my whole life and they make no time to be sniffing. My parents find out, then they start riffing. So I stay A-OK, cause I'm the E, the R-I-C-K. If she's look me in my face, then the eyes get weak. Pulse rate descends, heart rate increases. Like, beam me up, Scotty. I control your body. I'm as deadly as AIDS when it's time to rock a party. In all the respect, when I say my check, let a sucker slide once, then I break his neck. So when I say jump, you will power high because I'm taking no prisoners, so don't play hero and die. You're just a soldier, and I'm a green beret. I do not think twice about the entries I slay. So if you want a battle, I highly recommend this being your dog, mom and dad, because I'm strictly business. <laughs> Your mic is shot with the business.
still thinking on that fully But we're bringing the sand, man, sucker Because it's over My name is Eric Sermon and I'm back again I see the head still turning and my so-called friends And smile on my face behind my back and talk trash Mad and stuff because they don't have cash Like the E-double or the PMD We drive the Corvette, I drive a Sermon, watch the Zuki I'm a locksmith with the key to fame Never hide myself Always stay the same, play a lot because I'm hot like a horse I trot. I ride the track and back. Fatigue? No, I'm not. I'm on the mellow, the fellow, the one who likes to say hello to a fly girl that is good to go. With the slow tempo and the off rhyme flow. Cause when I am in action, there is no time for maxing or relaxing. Just reacting is detracting on a sucker MC. Who mouth keep on yapping and flapping, I lose my cool. Then I start slapping and smacking you on a roll. Then I'll be starts jabbing and capping. No time to lounge, I'm packing and strapping. At my point of attack, I saw at you like an eagle. I'm the sheriff, and biting is illegal. So next time in town, I highly recommend this. You got to chill because I'm strictly business. Hey, yo, you double, man. Let them know what time it is. I'm strictly business. PMD is a full effect. Peace to the home of Big Daddy Kane. And Bismarck, you might get shot. Shot, 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 shot. 